Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello, and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I am Hilmarie Hutchison, and today I am so excited to welcome the founder and CEO of Ideals, Jared Tubaley, on our podcast. Jad's interest in numbers and his business acumen has secured him immense experience in the finance world. However, alongside his banking career, he also has a flair for entrepreneurship with more than a dozen startups under his belt. There's some, a lot of other interesting things we want to talk to Jad about, but let's hear from the man himself. Jad, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm sure that many of our listeners are aware of your platform, Ideals, considering the millions of downloads you've had. But before we get into that, let's get to know the man behind it all. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself and how it all began? Sure, sure, with pleasure. I try to have a very minimal social footprint, so there's not much about me in the public domain, but I'll do as good a job as I can. I moved to the UAE in 2005 after completing my university and to the consulting field. I was actually joined Ernst & Young under their transaction advisory services as a consultant. I did that for about two years. And then actually in the peak of the crisis, I was hired into Deutsche Bank under the credit and derivative or under the structuring team. And specifically, I was in charge of credit and derivative structuring. Within that, specifically, Sharia compliant credit and derivative structuring. So it's extremely niche, but it had a big market and a big landscape to cover. I did that for about four years. And then from there, I moved to JP Morgan, who was at the time setting up and beefing up the Sharia compliant derivative desk. And um, did that for about two years before I started uh, Ideals and joined the company full-time. In 2015, when I was setting up uh, Ideals, or before I set it up, the writing was on the wall. The world was moving and digitalizing at an unprecedented rate. Digitalization adoption was happening almost by the hour, and I knew I wanted to be in that space. And so in 2015, I looked long and hard at how I can be a part of this massive movement of digitalization that's happening. I don't know if you recall, but in 2015, if you wanted to order food, there was a plastic envelope with all the menus that were thrown under your door that you kept a hold of. And then we moved into the delivery and then food ordering space. If you wanted to get a taxi, you had to go outside and stand in the heat and hail one. And then we moved into the ride-sharing. Digitalization was happening all around us, and I knew that it was the space to be in. After looking long and hard, I managed to find myself a nice little niche to be in, and I've been enjoying it since. Thank you for that background. Can I ask you to go even further back? Can we talk about your childhood, where you grew up, what your dream was for when you grew up? Did you always want to be in finance? What was your further background than work? At almost uh, 38 years of age, that's uh, quite far back to recall fully. But uh, I, I was born in Germany and uh, from there moved to Saudi Arabia, where my father was based um, for his job. Uh, spent the good first decade of my life in Saudi Arabia before moving to Lebanon and then completed my studies there before moving to the UAE. All throughout that time, I do recall I was good in maths. So I did have good mathematical acumen. I don't think I was ever illogical with what I wanted to be. There was no superhero or fireman or policeman. I knew it was going to be a business of some sort. But I also come from a family of people who have started off working for others or being employed and then moving to something they own themselves and operate themselves. So I don't think it was by design, but uh, there's some atoms inside me that pushed me towards that, I guess. Interesting. So you were raised in the Middle East. So have you had much chance to travel to Germany? 
not so much, no. So I think since being born there, I've been all of five, six times there. But I am originally Lebanese and the family is also originally Lebanese. Myself and my siblings were all born in different parts of the world by virtue of how much my parents used to travel back then. Okay, so your family is originally from the Middle East. That's correct. What an interesting background you have. Excellent. Now, let's get back to Ideals. So what was your initial goal when you started Ideals? I know you already mentioned about you could see the future is digital. And for those of our listeners who might not know the platform, could you just sort of you know unpack it for us, what exactly it does? Sure. When we talk about goal, I think the goal was fairly simple and fairly logical. I wanted to create a profitable, scalable, and defensible business to be proud of. I wasn't so much into the glitz and glory of being an entrepreneur. That didn't really mean anything to me. I was mainly into making sure that the business I built had strong fundamentals, strong unit economics, and is scalable and defensible, and made me proud that I built it and got it to where it is. That was the overarching goal. And for the most part, is a necessity. Because yeah, I eat from this company. Doing that was not let me try and if it failed, go back to something. I made sure it was a necessity um, to achieve that goal, which I'm, I'm currently as building out as we speak. To explain more what Ideals does, from a very high altitude, Ideals is an online store that sells self-branded merchandise. The merchandise that we sell is made by us, designed by us, and sold exclusively on our digital platform. We're not omni-channel. I think that's somewhere where I say the writing is on the wall. I made sure that we didn't have a pure brick and mortar play. And so all of our transactions happen digitally on our digital touch points. That's mobile apps, iOS and Android, as well as mobile web and desktop web. What makes us different from the plethora of online stores that exist out there is how we sell our items. And that's where I chose to differentiate what Ideals does from what the common online store or common e-commerce platform does. The way we sell our products is in what we call limited campaigns. Campaigns are either limited by time or by quantity. And I'll give you an example of each. If we look at the quantity-based campaign, I would take a certain product that we sell, a certain SKU that we have, and I would put a certain limited quantity of that product in a campaign. And let's take a hypothetical example, a t-shirt. I would take a thousand t-shirts and put it into a campaign. With every t-shirt that is sold, the buyer of that t-shirt will get a complimentary ticket to a prize draw. When all 1,000 t-shirts are sold and 1,000 coupons are distributed, we do a government-regulated draw and we announce a winner. For every item that we sell, you're actually also entering yourself into a raffle to win a certain prize. We have five prize categories. Cash and gold is the most famous one. Jewelry and watches, electronics, lifestyle, and cars. Since our inception, or since we went live in 2018, we've made more than 5,000 winners from 132 countries and closed more than 5,000 campaigns and issued more than 150 million dirhams worth of prizes in various forms, from as small as an iPhone or an Android device to as high as fully furnished apartments and everything in between. We've done a 150-odd cars in the middle as well. So that's the basics of the platform. Now, there is also a very important moving part within that value chain that I'd like to explain. When we launched the campaign with that added value marketing mechanism, we realized that some people may come in and buy more of one product to gain more access to the price. And that's something that is looked down upon. We promote that. Fine. I'm doing my job. I'm selling more of that product. We realized that it also may have an element of gluttony in it. Uh, you're buying seven of the same t-shirt or eight of the same t-shirt or the same jacket or some hoodie or what have you. And so we added a feature that at checkout, it allows customers at the option, not the obligation, I repeat that, the option, not the obligation, to donate their products to charity. And if they do so, instead of getting one coupon per product, 
they get two coupons per product. So it effectively can potentially increase their chances of winning the prize and it avoids the gluttonous element of the business model. And it's for that reason we chose our products to fall into two categories, clothing and stationery, because there are two global constants in the charity world. Poverty, which make use of clothing, and education, which make use of stationery. Anything outside of these two is an anomaly. We have hurricane this or COVID that or earthquake this. These are anomalies. They happen one of but Poverty and education are global constant in the charity world. And so we chose our product set to match the needs of these two charities. So on a, a monthly basis, we collaborated with Dubai Cares. We take all the products that people have opted to donate and we donate it to Dubai Cares. At their option, they have the option to tell us that they want to keep the pencils, they want to keep the hoodies, but they don't want the t-shirts. Then I have a forced buyback arrangement of taking back these items and then giving them the cash equivalent of these items. If I do so, I have the autonomy to choose how that cash is spent within Dubai Cares. In doing so, we built 12 schools as I last counted with them. We take that money and we build schools with it across the world. Our schools are in Nepal, Malawi, Cambodia, Zimbabwe, Senegal, and there's a couple of others. I think we have 13 total, most of which are under construction as we speak. That is the total and the model in its entirety. It may be a bit, a lot to absorb in a two minute uh, conversation. But that, for the most part, is what ideas like. That's brilliant. I love that you've used the platform to create an opportunity to give back to underprivileged kids in all these various regions. That's absolutely brilliant. What were some of the challenges that you faced while setting up your venture? And what did you learn from your challenges? Customer acquisition and retention is not as easy as it seems. When you're creating a platform from scratch in order to build a customer base for that platform, it's quite a tough challenge, not only to acquire them, but then to retain them. I think it's a lot of times much easier said than done. Even if you have a winning proposition, um, and we have a proposition that allows you to win homes, allows you to win cash, cars, and everything in between. And still, we work day and night and work very hard to attract new customers and retain the customers that we have. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges. This is especially true when your model is something that I call true innovation. You're not taking a concept that has been proven in the East or the West or in Europe or what have you and then localizing it or adapting it to the local market and trying to harvest a database here. You're taking a concept that is true innovation. You've created that entire value proposition from nothing or composites of other business models put together. And you're trying to educate the market about its existence and about its value add. I think that's a huge challenge that uh, we faced initially. But as time is passing and we're maturing as a company, that battle, so to say, is getting a lot easier. Considering where you are today, what is one thing you wish you knew when you were starting out? There's a lot, but I think the main ones is how much the business consumes me. The business has consumed me entirely. No less than 40% of my brain at all times is wired into the business, no matter what I'm doing or where I am. That's not something that is typical when you are employed in a position. You kind of adhere to the nine to five and you'll only drag a bit beyond the five with some of the things. But in the case of owning the business and operating the business, it has consumed me entirely. I could be on a beach in the Maldives and I'm still thinking about work. No less than 40% of my brain, even when I'm asleep, is thinking of what next to do, how to do it, how to strategize, what I need to do, how many things are pending, where things are in development, and, and, and. So it consumes you completely. And it's not something that I frown upon or dislike, but I didn't anticipate being so wired into the business at all times. 
But the benefits are also that you're seeing the benefits of all that hard work, of all that effort and the results that you get at the end. So the rewards are there for that effort that you put into it. Very much so. What is one piece of advice or a business tip that you would share with young aspiring entrepreneurs? I have a problem when it comes to being asked for advice or taking advice. I think the advice I would give is probably not to take any advice because for a number of reasons. Number one, what has worked for me may have worked for me because of the formula that I was in. If I'm in my time with my connections, given the space I was in, what I did worked. That has absolutely zero guarantee that it will work for anyone else. So you never want to commoditize what you've done and try to tell other people to use it in the odd event that it would not work for them. And I think that would not sit well with me if I gave advice and someone used it and it failed. I don't think that would sit well with me. Advice has become a bit over-commoditized today and it's no longer as pure as we want it. It's about uh, getting clicks and getting impressions and becoming an influencer, trying to talk to aspiring entrepreneurs and so on. I by no way deem myself successful yet. I am on track. Until then, I don't deem myself worthy of giving advice. From an entrepreneurship perspective, you must have perseverance. You must persevere. It is a battle you are fighting daily and the enemy is failure. And if you don't fight failure and fight the enemy, it will take over and you will fail. That's probably the only one I will go away with. Beyond that, I think everyone should look at the ingredients they have at the time they have it and apply logic and use it to the best of their abilities. Well, I think that is good advice. Don't give up, persevere. Things are going to get tough. And some days are tougher than others. There's no doubt. So I think that's good advice to just stick to things, to persevere. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing with us your backstory and how you came up with ideals and all the things that you're accomplishing with that. It's absolutely inspiring. Now we've come to the segment of our show where I'll ask you uh, some rapid fire questions, our version of a game show. Are you ready? Sure. Dead or alive, who is one person you would love to meet? Elon Musk. Are you a night owl or an early bird? Very much a night owl. A quote or phrase that you live by? Grow or die. Okay, very good. What's your escape in times of stress? Sleep. Sleep, very good. And what is one thing you do every day, no matter how busy you are? Come to work. Okay. Does that count? Does it count? Oh, well, I think work, not really. That is what keeps you busy, right? Yeah. But we let that go. Fine, fine. Now, before we wrap up, we would like to do our green pool moment. What was your green pool moment, the action or event that was the turning point for you or your career? There have been several, but one notable one would be a, a moment that happened during my course of running idea. As a person with a banking background, you're almost conditioned that business is all about dollars and cents. Everything is numerical and financial in its true essence. But in operating ideals, I have come to learn that there are elements beyond that that achieve a similar form of satisfaction. Early on, when we had campaigns, given the size we were, we used to all wear multiple hats. And I also used to call winners when we had winners. One person I called who had won luxury watch at the time had no idea that he won the watch, had no idea he was entered into the campaign that won him the watch. But when he came to collect it, he recalled that a friend of his sitting in a lobby had downloaded the app on his phone and entered him into one of the campaigns that won him that watch. Now, having won the watch, that's a true form of validation that the platform is real, that this is not a scam, that this is something that you can actually win. And the natural reaction by many of our winners back then until today is that they come back and they enter into more campaigns because it's been validated. 
And so he entered into a couple of campaigns and about a month later, he had happened to win again. And I called him and I told him that uh, I only call with good news. He had won, I think, 25,000, 20,000 dirhams at the time. He was completely in disbelief. He was stationed in Abu Dhabi and he asked if he could come down to Dubai and get it on that same day in order to keep the euphoric feeling of a winner. I agreed and I said, sure, no problem. I'll wait for you. You can come and collect the prize today. And he drove down and uh, came to collect his prize. About an hour and a half later, when he reached, he walked into my office a bit teary-eyed. And that's not something that's not common with people who win. A lot of people who win get a bit emotional about it. But then he insisted on seeing me separately and in the office. And he told me that uh, during the past two weeks, he was made redundant from his job. And he was actually at the ATM machine pulling money for gathering his wife had been planning at home for the catering and for whatnot. And he was planning to give her the money and tell her to calm down on spending. And then we called him and told him he won 25,000 dollars. So he told me, I drove down for an hour and 20 minutes, blessing you and ideals for the joy you brought to me at that difficult moment that I was planning to talk to my wife and, um, and tell her not to spend uh, more. And then I realized that if we start counting these type of blessings and not cents and dollars, we will create an even more successful business. So at that time, we started shifting our focus on rather than counting how much dollars we make, let's count how many people bless us. And naturally, if we have a lot of that, we're making money. So we deviated a bit of using brain to using a bit of heart as well and tried to look at the business differently from there. And that uh, has stayed with us intact till today. 5,000 winners later, we continue to count how many people bless us. And if we count more of these, we're definitely going in the right direction and everything else will fall into its place. Jed, thank you so much for sharing your fantastic and inspiring story with me today. I'm so sure our audience is going to enjoy this conversation as much as, as I have. I love what you're doing with your platform and that you're using your platform to give back to the community by supporting schools and underprivileged kids in underdeveloped nations. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Thank you for that. We take a lot of internal pride in doing what we do with that. And I think uh, we have managed as a startup to find a way to embed a CSR program that uh, leaves a very positive social footprint behind. And uh, I would encourage others to build it into their system early on. Usually these type of initiatives are looked at as PR stunts or they take from your bottom line. If you can build it in, in a smart and ingenious way and an innovative way that it works complementary to your bottom line and uh, leaves behind a positive social footprint, I think uh, we'll manage to build a better place. Absolutely, I agree with that. Before we say goodbye, could you please tell our listeners where they can find and follow you? And of course, we'll also put this in the show notes. I only exist on LinkedIn, which I consider to be a professional network, not a social network. I am present on that platform exclusively. Okay. And in the ideals, you have social network for all of that, right? Yes, at Ideals and pretty much all the platforms. Fantastic. Thank you again, Jed. It's been so lovely to talk to you today. I wish you all the very best and I'll continue to follow the Ideals story and where you take it next. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.